Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's Thursday, September 27th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. We're from Daily Fantasy sportsrankings.com dfsr.com for very short you can type in dfsr.com slash deals uh, or is it deals or deal deals I always, deals slash dfsr.com slash deals to get a uh, free three-day trial to our projection system with a discounted rate for podcast listeners we typically charge 29.95 a month you can get that for 24.95 a month for the lifetime of your subscription just by listening to the pod and going over and signing up for that dfsr.com slash deals that'll get you optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL, MLB while the season still chucks along, NHL and NBA coming right around the corner. It's all covered under one subscription subscription package, members-only chat room, premium content. It's all there. DFSR.com slash deals for the podcast listeners. And that's a little thank you for listening to the pod and having our numbers continually go up in listens, which we always appreciate. Also, you can also rate and review us on iTunes. That is actually a big driver as well. Only five stars. If you're going to do anything less, don't bother. Um, so go and rate and review us on iTunes. That would be uh, much appreciated. Cash games. For week four, you know, week three and week four is when we talk about, uh, you know, pricing starts to really settle in on where yeah. opponent, you know, where the guys maybe true, yeah, not true talent, let's say, like true um, performance has been up to this point. So you're going to see some outliers. If you think that uh, guys have had outlier performances, you might still, still see some guys coming at bargains. Obviously, injuries are always going to play a part. But, you know, week uh, these are the weeks where after week one and two, the things really kind of do start to settle down. And I would say things get a little bit uh, closer, and we're going to talk about cash games. But I actually have a question for you before we get started. One is, or this is the question. <laughs> I guess I don't need to say I have a question and then state that this is the question and then ask the question. But when I was looking at auditing just different player opportunity, it really was crazy to me how many double-digit target guys there have mm. been in the NFL this year. It's clear the teams are passing more. There's some really high-flying offenses that um, are just passing a lot of got quarterbacks just throwing for more than 40 times a game. Do you think this is a script issue? Do you think this is a thing that we're just going to see going forward? Because I know in the past when we would just try to give – because the, the really important thing here is trying to label players' opportunity going into a game. And in the past, we'd be like, okay, maybe Antonio Brown, double-digit guy, Julio, possibly DeAndre Hopkins – then it would really kind of fall off after that. Uh, this year, it's, there's just team after team. has Some teams have two guys that are seeing double-digit targets. Do you think sure. this is just the new world order? Do you think this is something that will come back and regress a little bit as we go on, or are we just going to continue to see the passing game really be just what te- um, teams or maybe even smart teams are doing uh, just more than anything else? Well, yeah. So, I mean, just for some frame of reference, last year we had five guys end the season averaging double-digit targets or more a game. And this year we have 11, what is it? Oh, yeah, so it's 11 running back, or 11 wide receivers and one running back. But then there's like a whole other host of guys who are very close, averaging 9.7. It's like five or six guys uh, with 29 targets through three weeks. So 
it definitely seems to be something of a shift going on. And you never know, like, to what degree these conversations are had behind closed doors in the NFL. Like, you know, if, if people are kind of just coming around to realizing that, for instance, passing on first down tends to be a higher expectation than running on first down. Um, we also haven't seen defenses probably sell out to adjust against this yet, too. So, you know, things can start early in the season and then kind of tail off as the season continues. And, of course, not every team is going to have the personnel to pull this off either. And so, you know, there are a handful of teams with some really high target guys that, you know, these targets not all being created equally might want to reconsider as the season goes along. Like, you know, even uh, Minnesota with Cousins, like he's he's throwing a lot right now and it's working sometimes and not working others. Um, you know, will Ryan Fitzpatrick be able to continue to throw 10,000 times a game? Will Eli be able to give Beckham 10 plus targets a game when he's struggling, generally speaking? Golden Tate, you know, some of these other guys. And I think you'd be crazy not to adjust for present day, assuming that we're in this NFL where to probably to be a cash game consideration, you need to be in that nine to nine plus targets a game category. Because it used to be in the past, if you could get a guy with nine plus targets a game, like we'd be sitting there internally auditing things and be like, well, dude, no one's going to average nine targets a game by the end of the season. So this is crazy to, to give it to a guy now. Um, Well, and and the only other thing I guess for, for season long fantasy, not that we're a podcast about that, is that, you know, some of these guys will get banged up. Some of them will yes. run up against cover corners, and you're not going to play them those weeks. So, you know, you don't necessarily want to project it for the whole season. But, yeah, on a game-to-game basis, I, I think it's going to be reasonable to have five to ten guys projected for 10-plus targets a game. Yep, and our system, you know, is it goes with baseline opportunity then lets other metrics figure out, you know, if they should, if they're getting downgrades based on shadow coverages or defenses or overall points scored. So it's, it, we come in, we don't try to set what the expect the exact expectation is going to be for that specific game. We try to set, like, what the reasonable expectation for all games would be uh, for a player and then let other pieces sort out sort it out through the wash to make sure, you know, this guy still stands out as a play. Some of the rules, I think, obviously, have been talked about going into the season uh, – Hits over the middle were going to be greatly decreased. Um, obviously, the roughing the quarterback, roughing the passer pe- penalty has been just gotten even where quarterbacks are saying this is out of control, like bad for the defenses because these just very questionable roughing the passer calls. All of it makes all of it just makes passing easier as well. It was already the thing that smart teams did in in earnest, and the rules have only helped these smart teams and teams that understand this kind of offense just exploit it even more. So I yeah, I think injuries will. I don't think we end the season with as many double-digit target guys, and I think it's fair to say we end the season with more than last year, maybe even many more uh, when it's all said and done. Let's talk about cash game plays for this week. Uh, you know, you looked at the article. We wrote this mostly, you know, mostly in tandem. I covered probably a little, a few more guys, but um, when you look down the list of plays this week that we were throwing out there, did it strike you as uh, – Good feelings overall, kind of like a weird week. There's a lot of good teams that are coming on the Thursday night and the Sunday night and the Monday night. So we get rid of, you know, like the Chiefs and the Rams and uh, the Steelers are all playing not on the main slate. Mm. That's a lot of guys that have been really cash game consideration. Not the Steelers so much because they played at a lot of these primetime games so far. But uh, these other teams have been heavy cash game considerations. When you looked on the uh, list of players that are left that we wrote up did it give you a good feeling here and then I guess we can get into talking about who some of those guys are <laughs> I felt pretty good actually you know you don't always know until you actually start hitting calculate on Sunday morning if your lineups are actually going to feel as good as they do when you make read up a cash game article you know it's it can be hard not to run up against just writing up the good player syndrome but even as I was looking at our lineups I felt pretty good about them you know I think there's still enough value kicking around some of these cheaper positions uh you know I think there's 
because you don't really need that much in the modern NFL. Like one of the nice things about right now is that there's so few, especially at running back, so few super high end guys that feel like must plays running back yep. and quarterback. Uh, like, you know, with Aaron Rodgers in the past or Le'Veon Bell, guys that you just had to kind of pay 9,000 for. And then subsequently that would force you to try to pay down at some other positions where it was less comfortable. But, but I felt pretty good about it. Actually, let's, let's just jump right in and get to quarterback because you did list one really expensive quarterback in Breeze, but your other two options are in that six to 7,000 range. And, and it seems like, based on reading your article, that you're actually leaning away from Breeze and Cash. So can you get into who you're liking more than him right now? Yeah, um, I, would, I would lean... Okay, I'm going to specify this by sight. I don't think you need to play Breeze on FanDuel at 8,700 simply uh-huh. because that's just... Uh, that is a lot more expensive than the other guys I mentioned here. I do think Breeze... I think we have Breeze projected for the highest overall points it's very close with him and watson and i think at that point it becomes i mean they're, they're essentially tied um they at, at that point it becomes a, a price difference right who are you getting you're getting an 1100 savings on watson who i did mm-hmm. write up as the number one play uh, and, and again from a points per dollar perspective uh breeze i think you end up seeing him probably higher owned i'm a little worried about conditions he's played three completely optimal conditions to start of the season three straight dome games between two mm-hmm. in New Orleans and one in Atlanta and is now going to go to uh, to uh, Giant Stadium where he just been he just has very different road splits and uh, who wouldn't if you just played all your games in a dome it's just that would be the case for every single quarterback in the world it's just easier to throw uh, when the conditions are optimal so that'd be my only real concern is we might be buying a little high on how much they've been able to do through the air and I still think he's a great play against the Giants defense but I put a, I, I did Watson number one here I Mm. We played him. Number, we played him in cash last week in on Fanduel, not on DraftKings, and he was looking pretty bad until <laughs> until the fourth quarter when garbage time really helped him out. Now this is a thing where it's it's funny. He was not really playing all that bad. The Texans were able to get down the field pretty regularly, and they fumbled in the red zone. They settled for a field goal in the red zone. They he threw an interception in the red zone, so that's his fault. Um, and then Lamar Miller had a, just a terrible holding penalty that kicked them out of, for, out of the red zone again. For, they had to settle for a field goal where they had a first. They had, we're going to have first and five from the uh, five yard line, and the, the penalty just kind of killed that drive. And they had like you know first and twenty five, and they couldn't get in. So there was some context behind. And by the way, and all this said, he still was easily a value on his on his price. He threw for a ton of yards, threw a mm-hmm. couple touchdowns, ran a lot. They're going to get another good matchup here against the Colts. They are underdogs, which I don't, but very slight. They're one and a half point favorite underdogs, which probably means Vegas sees them as a slightly better team with the Colts getting something the home for field playing home. at home, right? Um, because usually when it's even, it's minus three for the home team. So the fact that they're it's only minus one point five uh, or one and a half, I think they, they they do see the Texans as a better team here. And even that, you think they're playing from behind? Colts defense hasn't been very good. Great conditions in a dome. Um, he's and he runs a lot. And I want these for us. We talk about this time and time again on the podcast. I really want quarterbacks that can run because it just makes up it gives you such a higher floor on a game to game basis than if you're just hoping that your guy gets the pass in the red zone. Like, you know, the Breeze types, I know he ran for two touchdowns. The Breeze types, Matt Ryan, these guys that just have to get those touchdowns through the air in the red zone. I would so much rather get another touchdowns worth of points on the ground if if need be. So I think I'm I'm just totally fine with Watson this week. I I don't know if people are talking themselves out of him because he just maybe 
on paper hasn't looked all that great, um, even though last game he did. I mean, does that make is that a compelling enough case? And the other thing is too, like some of these other guys just aren't like Roethlisberger and Mahomes aren't on the, aren't on the slate. Is that a compelling enough case for Watson? I think so. I think it's the running yards tend to continue to be underrated by a lot of people. Uh, basically, when if you can start the game with four points, which is what Watson has basically done so far this season, that's just inc- it's huge, right? He's averaging twenty one fantasy points a game, so four points per game is fully 20% of his production. And, you know, he had a a really, really tough week one passing the ball. But as we saw last week, it just can come together on both sides for him. And it did more often than not last season. So 76 just seems way too cheap for him. Like, I think he'll settle in even arguably above this tier, this like Roethlisberger-Ryan tier when it's all said and done. So, yeah, I think that value uh, winds up being probably a little bit too much to pass up on. Uh, But over on DraftKings, you mentioned that you probably will be leaning a little bit more expensive. So talk about why we can get Breeze on DraftKings where we shouldn't pay the 87 for him on FanDuel. One more thing about Watson. I will say his best game of the year came last week when he had Will Fuller back in action. And his game, mm-hmm. the, the, in, in general, the Texans' offense with Fuller on the field uh, is much, has been much better, especially through the air. I know that a lot of that, those points came late, but again, there was some context behind it. So I just want to, that was the last thing about it. The, the Fuller thing does, I think, make a difference for him to be able to draw some coverage away from Hopkins. All right, yeah, the Breeze thing, the price difference just isn't as much of a spread as it on DraftKings as it is on FanDuel. So on DraftKings, Breeze is 6,600. Watson's only 63. The $300 difference, I mean, where do you, it, it just really at that point comes down to which guy do you think has a higher floor? It's pretty close for me considering how much Breeze has thrown this season, and I think they continue will want to continue to do that. Um, so I think that if I was going to hedge away from Watson, it would be on DraftKings with Breeze just because of the lack of price difference. I also, I, and I, you don't need to make a crazy case for Breeze. They're just t- throwing the ball a ton. He has two excellent weapons. That seems to be their game plan. They don't want to run Kamara, I don't think, a ton like between the tackles early and downs. Uh, I wrote up Trubisky, though. Um, I'm be interested. I do not think many people will play him. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with it. They, he's only 5,200 against Tampa. They are actually favorites at home against the Bucs right now, which I found not surprising, but considering how good the Bucs offense has been to start the season. I don't know if that was also wondering if, if Jameis was going to get the start over Fitzpatrick because he's supposed to come this week. I think that'd be totally nuts if they play Jameis <laughs> over Fitzpatrick at this point. I don't think they're yeah. going to, but I wonder if some of that line was just kind of wondering what was going to happen. But Trubisky is, so on DraftKings, one thing you can do and we've seen this time and time again, is you can just play cheap quarterbacks on, on DraftKings because they, just, they do give a wider spread of salaries. And sometimes these guys are so much cheaper. So right now, Trubisky is the... I can't even count this many. It's like he's towards 14. the bottom. Yeah, he's in the yeah, bottom. He's, like very, he's so close to the bottom right now against a Tampa team who has gotten destroyed on defense this year. Now, some of that's because they've gotten up early and the other teams had needed to play catch-up ball. They so have they're, like, defense. tired, you're saying? They get up Yeah, well, okay. but he fits the mold, too. He runs. Um, he has rushing games of 32, 24, and then he had an eight-point game last week, 8-1, but they were they were winning, and it didn't matter eight as much. Uh, excuse me, eight-yard rushing game. He has – and I'm encouraged, though, by how much the Bears have been willing to throw with him this year as opposed to last year. Last year, they did not want to do that. Uh, they really wanted to hand the ball off and keep things very easy for him. That right This year, he's averaging 35 uh, passing attempts a game and been relatively efficient. He's more than 67 – about 67% completion percentage. The yards aren't completely there because they don't throw downfield a ton. He just seems to me at 5,200 on DraftKings as a safe play because of – because of how much he runs, 
because there is a fact, there is a chance this does get into something of a shootout if, if Tampa Bay continues to just put their foot on the gas with uh, with points. And, um, yeah, and just the price. I think that I'm looking for running quarterbacks in good matchups. Trubisky fits the mold here, and I'd be totally fine taking the savings because the other the other positions are priced up so much that the savings of quarterback really does matter. Yeah, I guess I think it matters. I mean, at least according to our system right now, it's pretty close between Trubisky and Watson still. Yep. And and probably Breeze can be in that discussion too, as being just three hundred more. But man, Trubisky, looking at these game locks, he just reminds me of like he reminds me of like a bad version of Alex Smith in a lot of ways. Like yeah, he's passing the ball a decent amount, but averaging less than two hundred yards per game in spite of thirty five passing attempts and in spite of a high completion percentage, kind of paints a picture to me of a guy who just like maybe they don't trust to throw the ball downfield that much, and so attempts from Trubisky are going to be worth a hell of a lot less than even attempts from Watson. Uh, the fantasy points per game has been pretty bad. The fact that they're willing to take away his carries or, or that his carries are less secure than some of these other quarterbacks leads me to believe that, you know, they're not giving him... It's not part of the plan to get him a lot of carries. It's more like sometimes he runs for his life and gets 12 yards. And that just concerns me. Like, I think you can get a, a higher floor from some of these other guys for... Yeah, it's an additional investment, but like at least looking at the lineups, my gut told me looking at the lineups right away that I'm I felt like I was giving up too much to uh, to pay down there, or, or rather I don't think I feel like I was getting rewarded enough for paying down at quarterback. Like looking at some of the changes that would come through the lineup. So you know I, I could be convinced otherwise. Ultimately, I'm willing to trust the numbers. You know Vegas does think that the Bears are going to put up some points here, and that makes sense. Tampa Bay. Like I, I don't want to be the guy who also underrates matchup, but I also just wonder, like, with how much volume Howard was getting last week, I just wonder if the plan is just to give the ball Howard 26 touches a game when the game is going well and just to try to run yep. out the clock and ruin everyone's uh, amount of possessions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm lukewarm on Trubisky, and I know it's always tough when you make a value call because objectively, obviously, he's worse than those other two quarterbacks. Sure. And it ultimately comes down to a price thing. But, uh, but yeah, that's my my general take on Trubisky. Anything you want to say else you want to say about quarterback before we jump into running back here? No, I hear all that. I, and again, I, that's why I really try to qualify things by, I, I could have just written up Aaron Rodgers, Breeze, I mean, I guess Deshaun Watson, and just write up all the most expensive guys. I, I hate to say that every single time to make little asterisks next to why these we, we choose to kind of write up guys the way we do. We try to write them up just in saying, all these guys have salaries and you know if, if I can get a guy in a good matchup that has that, that checks a lot of the boxes for me as like the 14th or 15th most expensive quarterback then that is something I'm fine doing and I get that the rest of the industry might not want to and, and it, 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 it makes sense if it doesn't feel good and it's not a guy that I'm completely married to I, I think I'm with you that I'd probably much rather play Watson all things considered but I really do like the 5200 I think at running back though one of the reasons I think that we want to go cheap in some other spots is running back feels, at least with Kamara, and I hate to be like revisionist on this one because we were not on Kamara when 65% of the field or something like that in cash was last week, and that was probably, or, I mean, ultimately with the numbers, it did prove to be a mistake. It was probably a mistake to not have it just even closer as a consideration between us because I don't think that's really where we were leaning. And then this week, all I had to do was basically adjust some of the, basically just adjusting some of the rushing to feel like it was going to be there again, that we have him as now the highest, you know, the highest projected guy. Is that too, are we, are, am I being too overreactionary to the Kamara thing? Do you think that after last week, plus no girly on this, uh, on this slate, um, 
he's really the big one. No girly here. Do you think we see Kamara as the as the overall highest on cash play? Or he was so highly on last week and was good. I feel like that tends to follow itself into the next week. And it probably in this way seems correct if you're looking for safe plays. I mean, he was good and he ran bad on the opportunity he did oh, get. Yeah. He, he probably will he run for better yards per yeah. carry and he'll probably score a touchdown if he's going to touch the ball 31 times and obviously had the touchdown called back. Yeah, I, th- I think you'll see huge ownership on Kamara. I think the only thing potentially holding him back is that he was limited in Wednesday's practice with a knee injury. So, you know, if people have concerns about that going into Sunday, I mean, he's such a dynamic runner. He's so dependent on cuts and, you know, his explosiveness that you could see maybe, like if he continues to be limited in practice or even miss a practice or something like that, uh, that could be a, a fly in the ointment there. But yeah, ultimately, Kamara, at this price, on this opportunity, will and probably should be the highest stone running back on the slate. After him, okay, I'm going to caveat this by saying that one, uh, this news came out afterwards, and I might, I'm going to put a note in the article. Rex Burkhead was put on IR this week, and so he, and he's out for the rest of the season, leaving the Patriot running back situation to be basically Sonny Michelle and uh, James White. I would have put Michelle in the cash game article as a play at his current prices, and I'm going to put that in there today when, when it's all said and well, after we finish posting the podcast. I would have written him up as a cash play as well, just because it looks like he for all intents and purposes, is going to be the main running back for New England with James White handling some of that pass uh, hurry-up stuff. But Michelle did catch the balls out of the backfield as well. Having no Burkhead there anymore to even call into question about if they were going to split carries between the tackles, I think I can see him being just, he probably is also going to be a chalk play uh, as well this week. So I'll update the article for that. I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, no, it's, it's relatively new news. We haven't had t- time to totally digest it. And I still feel like it's pretty safe to call him He's 4,500 on DraftKings. He's yep. like in the mid-5,000s on FanDuel. They're home favorites at minus 7. That's they're, they're, that's almost every box checked for a guy <laughs> like him. He's 5,900 on FanDuel. Do you think, right. is it safe to say he's, he's, I'll go into the next guy in a second, but is it safe to say he um, should be and, and will be uh, a pretty high highly owned play? Yeah, I would suspect he will be. I mean, you never know with the Pats. They could decide to back out on you at any last moment when it comes to who appears to be getting the opportunity, but especially on DraftKings and especially... You know, the, the target share, I guess I'll, I will ask you about the target share. The target share hasn't worked out for him yet. Uh, people predicted that he would be a pretty good pass catching back. It's only one game, I, but yeah, go ahead. I, like, sorry. It's one, it's one game, but like, who are the other excellent pass catching backs who go a game and don't aren't involved in the passing game? I, I feel like the passing targets are actually in some ways more secure than the running targets because, or the running attempts because they're kind of game script independent. They're just like set plays where you're going to pass to your running back. And if the Patriots don't have a lot of those, and he had also been pretty, he, he's been very, it's been a very ineffective play. Uh, five targets to him, two catches for six yards so far. So yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, yeah, he'll, he'll be a hugely young player. The opportunity is there. Um, he, at least at this point, still feels like a guy I could fade for big tournaments. Yeah, they had such a weird game last week because I got or the last time they played, they got killed. And but all um, the other running just, backs just get passed to when they're getting killed. That's my problem. Like, right? All these other like all of the biggest target games this season have been in really close games or when a team's getting killed, and the and te- guys are tending to lose their targets when they're behind. So I don't know. I just don't. I guess I'm banking on the fact that they're not going to be behind as some seven point favorites, and maybe we're maybe we're buying too high on. Well, seven point favorites that could hurt his targets. <laughs> so that's my point. That the trend. Well, yeah, but it helps you his get carries. fewer targets when your team is up. But 
Right, but it helps. But it helps his carry. Like, I, I guess I like. I'm trying, wondering how much of that comes out in the wash. Either way, I think that yeah, yeah. I think this is the kind of, the kind of guy you can just not. It's not even so much of a flyer. And the only other thing that gives that encourages me about Michelle, as opposed to other r- Patriot running backs in the past, and this is something that I'm not bringing new to the table. Everyone knows this is that he's one of the few running backs they've actually reached and gone up in the draft to get. Like he, they got him in the first round. So they. That's just not something they've done in the past. So the fact that they haven't done that in the past and they clearly saw something with him means I think this was the plan was to make him like the running back at some point and injuries and maybe bring him along slowly in some weird game script has not gotten them totally there on him. And so I think that's that's why I feel pretty confident. All right. The other guy I wrote up here was Zeke. Zeke is coming real cheap, especially in uh, drafting 7,700. I find to be a really nice price. FanDuel 8,200. For, now the Dallas is not good, so that's and their play calling is atrocious. So I, I'm, I'm I'm understanding all that. Okay, I'm like to begin hearing, with. I'm hearing so far. Tell me tell me what else. I One thing I to. really yeah. So, <laughs> but the, the the thing with they just get he's their only plan. Like he's like the guy. Like so now the carries are down, but the targets are up this season. Okay. And I the fact that that was actually the biggest case for me about why I think he remains a sort of safer running back play. Sort of mentioning what you you know what you said here a second ago about the running backs. He is just their only running back. He's going to play if they're down. He's going to play if they're up. He's going to touch the ball 20 times a game, almost no matter what's going on. Dak does not, I don't know if he hates all the wide receivers, can't throw to them. I'm not sure what the problem is, but they just, their, 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 their plan of attack is just for modern day NFL, just couldn't just seem to be worse. And that all favors Elliot in this case, right? Because like, if that's going to be the case for them going forward, that they just don't have a good grasp of what, what modern day teams should be doing. He just is going to continue to see tons of opportunity even for a bad team, I'm willing to play guys like that if I feel, even if the team's not great, if I feel like he's their only plan. It doesn't always work out. You can have the David Johnsons of the world. Although they haven't even done that with him because they're like not even running him in pass in passing plays. Are you okay with him at that price? Are slight home favorites, good conditions in Dallas. Um, Detroit's defense is really not very good. Uh, not a great overall total, but when I look down the rest, the list of the rest of these running backs, I'm I'm scared a little bit on Melvin Gordon's opportunity. He really hasn't been there on a total touch. Uh, basis, I, I could t- maybe talk myself into Tevin Coleman, and I can actually maybe even start talking myself into Saquon Barkley. But I, I, of those group, those are kind of the guys I was debating between in this uh, in this price range. Does Elliott stand? If I'm going to compare those guys to to Elliott, do you think he is the guy here, or could you maybe pivot to one of the other guys I mentioned? Yeah, so I think you could potentially pivot off him into some other directions, and we can talk about those in a sec. But breaking down opportunity for running backs. I don't feel like it's been this tricky since basically we've started this business because the, right. among the, the attempt leaders in the NFL right now, you have at least three guys that I don't think most people would be pumped to play in cash. And Carlos Hyde, uh, Adrian Peterson, who's on a bye this week anyway, and uh, Jordan Howard, right? So those are three of the top carry guys. Incidentally, two of those guys, Hyde and Peterson, are extremely not targeted in the passing game. So, yes. you know, you take away a lot of both the PPR and the half PPR and FanDuel and some of the floor, as we've seen, uh, when their team falls behind. Then you have Gurley, who's unquestionably elite. Uh, you have James Conner, who's you know now kind of on the expensive side for what he can bring you. And uh, you have Kareem Hunt, who also, for whatever reason, just isn't being targeted at all. And then that leaves you with Elliott. So, you know, that is a reasonably long list of guys to list off. But I think all these guys outside of Gurley have really significant flaws and why you would want to play them from week to week. And then you're left with Zeke. And I think the fact that he's not running the ball 25 times a game doesn't pass that aesthetic test, but we've really only had the one game against the Giants where everything went in his favor, and you know he did punch in the touchdown that game. Uh, he did lack some opportunity, uh, 
the, from like where I would have guessed. Like I would have guessed 25 carries in that game. Uh, but nonetheless, he's also significantly cheaper. He's 10% cheaper than he was at his peak too. So I think you can take all that together. Uh, you can guess for a relatively, you know, a, a game script that should relatively favor him. And the fact that he's catching balls out of the backfield, it's going to raise his floor. So yeah, I do think Zeke is a, is a pretty good play here. Um, one of the guys actually, speaking of high floor guys, even when their team falls behind, is Giovanni Bernard, right? Like, I, I, you know, I right. chipped him in this for, for this week's picks. Gio, we were concerned about being able to trust him last week. The game script went against him in the second half with the team being down a touchdown, but he was the only running back to see a carry and still had, and had nine targets as well. So uh, what do you think about Gio for cash? It's kind of like a almost poor man's Elliot or something. <laughs> you know, he's not going to get up to the carries, but at just 6,400 on FanDuel, 63 on DraftKings, is he a guy we can turn to again this week? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know so. This is going to be a, a game that, that, you know, let's say Cincinnati's playing from behind. You know he's going to be on the field, uh, out of the backfield, just because that's primarily what they had wanted him to do to begin with, with Mixon around. They wanted him to be a pass-catching back, a third-down guy. The fact that he is getting those carries, we saw him get goal-line carries as well. That's a big uh, checkbox in his favor if he's going to be their solution, or like, at least the guy on the field when they're down and close. Um, yeah, no, I think that there's a lot to like about him. The fact that he's coming so much cheaper in a PPR format uh, in a game where he really probably can't get scripted out of it, he is one of those guys that checks that box as well. Because, I, right, there are so few of these guys at this point, right? There's, mm-hmm. um, there's, It's him. And I, like I said, I, I could see us at some point maybe getting on to, to Barkley as well because he's, he's just a, he is another guy that they're going to – they're fine throwing to him 10 times a game if need be, like if they're playing catch-up or something. So right. it's kind of like in that group of guys, I would say it's Elliott, obviously Kamara, Elliott, I'm not willing to go there with Melvin Gordon because he's uh, Austin Eckler's just gotten too much uh, run so far. I do think Barkley's in that group. I do think Geo's in that group. I don't think Tevin Coleman, let's say, is because they have Ito Smith. Um, and then, and like you mentioned with Hyde and Peterson, uh, Jordan Howard even has Cohen behind him. So I think there's just enough question marks for the rest of the guys. Yeah, the list is real small about guys that are just going to make sure they're on the field no matter what is happening. Kamara, yeah. Barkley, Elliott, Geo. And that's, I can't even put Sonny Michelle in there because of James White. So, um, yeah, I think that list is really small. And I think I'm totally, I think it's going to be a decision between those four guys and it going to be playing, excuse me, well, Sonny Michelle there too. I think there's going to be five guys we're considering going in to week four. Um, and I don't think there's going to be any other question about if, yeah, I think that's going to be only discussion knowing that we can only play three of them. Let's head with some of the wide receivers. We mentioned some of these double digit target guys. Uh, I mean, knowing there's so many double digit target guys, it seems like from a week-to-week basis, does it even make sense to like consider paying up? I know Antonio Brown's not on this list because he's not on the main slate, but are there so many guys that fall into this middle tier now that maybe you don't have to go up to the Michael Thomases of the mm-hmm. world? Like we always, in the past, it made so much sense to just pay for safety, pay for Antonio Brown. He's going to see 12 targets. No one else is going to. It's, it's just kind of on lock. Are there so many guys now and the prices haven't fully caught up with them? Because that was kind of my theme. I don't know if you agree with this. Because Michael Thomas is clearly the best guy. 95% conversion rate, though. That's not going to sustain worse conditions. Do you think we're in a world where we can just find 10 targeted game guys in like the six, six and seven thousands and feel pretty good about it? Yeah. I mean, normally, if we're getting guys that are getting 10 targets a game in the six thousands, like we don't even think about not playing them. It's just that the only thing that's held us back from playing more like guys like that in the past is the lack of guys like that in the past. <laughs> because when they would occasionally rear their heads, you know, say like Calvin Johnson would get hurt and Golden Tate would come up, he would be an 80% play in cash games, right? So the fact that we're getting such a glut of these guys right now is, it just creates a totally new environment. And the real, the real question ultimately is, 
is this trend toward higher targeted players in the NFL going to create even more highly targeted players on the top end? And that's really what we should all be trying to figure out right now because, right. you know, in the past, it's not so much how many targets you get, it's how many targets you get relative to all the other players that you could choose from. And so right. guys like Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, you know, these guys, or even DeAndre Hopkins, they would be so far ahead of everyone else that it was difficult, I think, for the pricing algorithms to even sort of responsibly account for it. So uh, will that continue to be the case going forward? I mean, we're seeing a top end of guys that are tar- they're both targeted more than the next class and their targets are worth more than the next class, if that makes sense. Like, you know, guys like Antonio Brown, I, he actually hasn't converted uh, as high a percentage as you would imagine so far, but you have to think that's going to come back up. Uh, Adam Thielen's turned his 44 targets into 32 receptions. Obviously, Thomas has turned his 40 targets into a league-leading 38 receptions. And then you get guys like Landry, Golden Tate, who are playing with worse quarterbacks uh, that are sitting in that kind of mid-50% range. And I think that might be where we start seeing some separation in the future. Uh, But as of now, I still think we're seeing... There's just so many guys that the sites haven't been able to catch up to all of them. And even guys like Kenny Galladay with 28 targets. Uh, You know, Robert Woods back on 29 targets. Uh, Devontae Adams has 29 targets again. Yeah, you're just seeing... There's just so many of them that it just increases the likelihood that somebody is mispriced. (laughs) I guess that's that's where I want to ultimately land. So if we wind up with like three mid-tier wide receivers this week, I wouldn't be disappointed at all. There's some nuts. I mean, some of the, so Adam Thielen is, is averaging 14.67 targets a game with a median of 13, um, which is like I mean I know it's only been three weeks and they were playing from behind one of these things, but man, like that that number would have just popped your eyes out of their sockets if it had been last year. Antonio Brown, 14 targets per game, 16 target median uh, because he just had something crazy. And Juju, by the way, 12.67 average with an 11 median. So. Like the, and they're on the same freaking team. Like that. This is just un. These are just, these, some of these numbers are just completely unreal. Now, one, I do think you can. I think that's a very interesting point. Like, are and I'm worried actually that maybe we've done this for our system. I'm kind of going to get off uh, the cash game track for a second, but I think it's really something I hadn't really considered until you brought it up. Which was, have we boosted some of the mid tier guys up? too close to the top tier guys. And I think that's something that you and I are going to probably end up having to discuss off the air, because if that's the case, like, have I taken, let's say Jarvis Landry, have I taken, actually, he's probably not the best example. Golden Tate's probably a better example, but um, have we taken some of these guys up to like, let's say 10 and a half targets per game? Cause that seems like the new normal, but then are unwilling to take Antonio Brown to like 13 and a half targets. Cause maybe that should actually be the number. Because if that's the case, then we're starting to look at a totally new way of projecting. And I'm actually wondering now that you've said it, if we've done that. So I think that's a good, that would be a good discussion off the air because I, this was going to be a tough one to figure out where to land on because p- putting in a 14-target number for Antonio Brown is going to feel pretty damn weird based on things we've done in the past. And that actually just might be correct and actually might shift the tone of, of overall cash games. I did write up Landry uh, as a, just a guy that I think we're going to see just a pretty big price jump on him going forward with Baker under center. Um, I, I'm going to basically verbatim read this, but I think it's just interesting to break down. Uh, when Mayfield came in, there was about a minute left in the first half last week. And after that, tar- so this is basically just half a game, Landry saw nine targets and caught for 91 yards with a couple red zone attempts, like or a couple red zone uh, looks. That number, like you can't just double it and give him 18 targets, obviously, but 
13 targets a game for him going forward with, with a much better arm under center is that unreasonable this is a guy we've known have done it in the past he's done it with different quarter and the other thing i actually interesting with landry we've seen him get monster targets with just a bunch of different guys right like he's seen cutler throwing the ball a lot ryan moore throwing the ball ryan Tannehill throwing the ball it kind of doesn't matter who his quarterback is this guy just finds routes to get open and as long as the team isn't total donkeys and figure out how to do it browns might be butting up against that but the I mean, does he feel he feels so safe for me going into Oakland this yeah. week? What are your thoughts? Well, I think that he's, he feels extra safe because I think a lot of people are going to misinterpret his overall season line and not take closely enough into account what he did when Mayfield came in. And you pointed this out in the Cash article, um, and that he was targeted nine times for seven receptions and ninety-one yards. That's just excellent. And I think Landry. I mean, we've seen not that he's like a classic wide receiver one, but we've seen him in that you're just the guy that I'm going to throw to every single time role in the past. And we know he can do it. And we've seen him sustain prices, you know, up north, close to 8,000 in the past. So yeah, he just simply seems too cheap. And, and I think, you know, that that's going to be a running theme on these mid tier guys, you know, especially people without, I mean, Landry even has the track record from the past. So we can, right. we can even have that to go with, but uh, some of these guys, uh, you wrote up Quincy and Nunwa as well. Some of these guys are just emerging as, the biggest target guy for new quarterbacks and somebody is going to be the most targeted receiver on the team. And if the current state of the NFL is, that means you're going to get nine, 10 targets a game, you know, 6,100 on an unless 7,000 on Landry is going to wind up being too cheap. So uh, yeah, I really like these mid tier plays a lot. Uh, I wrote up a Nunwa. I know he plays Jacksonville, but he's just not going to draw Jalen Ramsey. They don't bring Ramsey into the slot at all. They uh, looks like they have Tyler Patman who by between, um, AJ Boy and uh, Ramsey is clearly the, by far the third worst of that group. And yeah, I think Bowie really ranked as the highest overall last year for Pro Football Focus, right? I, I can't uh, remember. But... They have Ramsey rated a little higher. Um, the oh, really? but I mean it's close. They're both they're both completely elites. I wouldn't. It's not. It's it's sure, basically fair. just um, uh, ticky tack at that point. Now another one runs almost com- uh, completely out of the slot. He looks like he'll com- he will avoid both of those two other guys. Uh, Pryor and Anderson will. I would say be on lockdown. The pace of the game does not excite you here. The Jets overall amount of points they stand to put up does not excite you. And he's just priced accordingly for a guy who's gotten like something like 30% of the team's overall target share this season. Um, and I know they haven't passed a ton, but uh, I think for the price, I'm willing to go there. Uh, I forget the third guy I wrote up. Um, you wrote up. Guy. Oh, oh, Golden uh, Tate. So my yeah, only, yeah, my only issue with Tate is, so Tate is one of these ones that falls into the, are we in a new world order of the NFL where teams are just going to have throw the ball 40 times every game and they're going to be multiple guys that you can consider wide receiver as pretty safe plays like are he and Galladay both considered safe in the past I was worried about these situations because it seemed like there was only so many passes to go around like you know think about Diggs last year um with Dylan um trying to think of like not nah, Juju doesn't really fit I'm trying to think of examples where we had two guys that it kind of de- were matchup dependent and you know one would be the guy that week and you kind of had to just choose the week I'm wondering if that's not the case anymore these teams throw so much that they can just sustain guys like Tate and Galladay uh, and to a lesser extent Marvin Jones on a week-to-week basis or are we making too much of early season stuff because I like Tate from a cash game perspective I think he's underpriced and I'm just, maybe just still stuck in an old world way of thinking where it worries me that Galladay is there also getting a lot of targets, but maybe there's just enough to go around. Yeah, I like Tate and Galladay a little bit less than some of these other guys we've discussed because, I mean, you talked about trying to differentiate mean and median earlier. I think for me, I'm also going to really heavily weight recent games and try to go on a game script basis to try and interpret you know, how many targets guys are going to get. And, and actually, the 
the standard deviation around Tate's targets is really pretty wide here. I mean, he's, he's got two games of 13 and 15, which are excellent, but he converted relatively poorly in those games. And then when he was actually converting well, he had fewer targets. That sort of leads me to believe that the Lions are, are kind of running a scheme where, okay, something isn't working or like it's not working as well, so you get more chances to do it, if that makes sense. So like when the drives are plugging away really, really efficiently and you're getting first downs on first and second down, you know, your drives are a little shorter. There's fewer targets to go around. Like I wonder if like in that Jets game, if he was converting 80% of his targets to receptions, if he would have only wound up with 11 targets instead of the 15 that he wound up getting, if that makes sense. Like, like they wind up going back to the well after an incomplete pass. And so that's good for him, but it's not quite like, like an Antonio Brown situation or, you know, Julio Jones or Michael Thomas, where like the plan is just to get those guys, their targets, absolutely no matter what. So I'm a little bit less bullish on these Lions guys rather than some of the other high targeted guys. Also, just because I'm always a little bit hesitant to make a lot of a sample size with a team that's coming back with relatively the same personnel. Like it takes a pretty fundamental change to go from, you know, what Tate and Galladay were doing last year to what they're doing this year. And unless there was like a really big change in the locker room, there's not, you know, it's it's almost like with pitchers, right? Like when you see that a pitcher is throwing a new pitch, you're very quick to key in and be like, this guy's doing something different. Like, are the Lions really doing something different? Through the first two games, I think you could say yes, but now we have a one-game sample in the most meaningful game, the most recent game, uh, where they were back in that 7-8 target range. So of all the guys we've talked about so far, Landry and Anunua, um, I would put Tate and Galladay as well, like a tier below them in terms of safety in my mind. Uh, one other guy that I kind of uh, we can maybe talk a little bit more on the game to game, uh, but as I updated projections through the week and sort of added, began to add some more metrics, T.Y. Hilton is a guy that actually started to show up as well. He's seeing mm-hmm. he's another one of these guys that's just seeing uh, just significant target share on a week to week basis. Has not been nearly as volatile as we've seen him in the past. Now hasn't had nearly the upside either. In the past, uh, Hilton was a very much a boomer boomer bust, stand, breaking standard sure. deviation kind of stuff on a week to week basis because he would either be there completely um, or just not there at all. That hasn't been the case. So he's given away some of the upside so far for just a more consistent role as a just a possession receiver and it's seen very consistent targets to start the year um like something 10 or 11 per game uh on on high on better more plus ev routes than he'd seen in the past when luck was wanting to just bomb the ball down the field to him so i don't know if we're seeing a slight shift in what we can expect from him if he's entering this other this group of guys that can just uh, contribute on a week-to-week basis and if that's the case he probably isn't priced accordingly and he probably from our projection system we probably need to boost the target conversion and lower the yards would be my guess um as like if i'm looking at his projection so he's a guy that actually probably would have come close for me he's averaging 10.67 targets a game with a median of 11 uh in a pretty nice matchup this week so um let's just finish it off a tight end sure. real quick we'll break down the rest yeah, of i'll guys. jump into tight end because i i would yeah. actually chipped in uh the tight end writing this week tight end is kind of a weird position and i am curious to know uh, kind of where you land here so basically this season while the rest of the nfl is getting targeted more and more and more uh tight ends seem to be in this holding pattern where basically every tight end is terrible and there's only a few guys we can really consider. Uh, we have the top guy. Well, the, the most consistent, and I think the safest tight end, you know, rather uncontroversially is probably Zach Ertz right now. Um, you know, as, as you compare production to price, uh, Ertz still settling in at just 7,000. He got once back last week. Uh, the targets didn't go everywhere, which, you know, I think everyone pretty much expected. And I think he's the only tight end right now averaging more than 10 targets a game. And, you know, we've talked about these other guys averaging 10 targets a game 
out of the wide receiver position and even being willing to pay more for it, I think Ertz's 11 targets a game through three are arguably even safer now with Wentz's return. So a $7,000 price tag is, is probably not sustainable for him. I could see that number going up and, uh, you know, there's probably not too much more that needs to be said about it. But the real decision is going to come down to, and this is where I, I really want your thoughts, is say Jack Doyle misses again this week, and we go ha- we have Eric Ebron again. Ebron was, I think, the highest-owned tight end last week and easily the most disappointing tight end last week as he caught just five balls for 33 yards on something like 44% ownership for cash. Um, what do you think about Ebron this week? Can we go back to the well again if Doyle misses, or should we kind of learn our lesson and move on? I'll be real disappointed if Doyle does play because I think Ebron is just the easy. I, I I actually don't relish the decision if he if if we don't play Ebron here because the tight end is this list is so bad. Uh, like good team good teams that want to pass a lot or even other teams are just moving to three wide receiver sets over and over and you know like think about the teams that don't even play with a tight end. And some of them aren't on this slate. Rams sure. don't really play with a tight end. Uh, Lions don't play with a tight end. Um, there's just there's there's a lot of teams. And even the ones that have them, tight ends like the Steelers. That's just what I mean. They don't way. even throw to him at all. This list is so bad. Uh, like it's yeah. you, you pay a premium for Gronk, uh, okay, maybe. Um, and after that, you're kind of just hoping for touchdowns you're from Jimmy Graham or Jared Cook. You Kittle, you got to get knock him down. That uh, Garoppolo's not there. Uh, Najoku, maybe with ba- Baker there, and then I, that's like the good part of the list. I, like after that, like I don't even know where to go. One guy that grim. I might, one guy <laughs> might have put on there is if if we had had uh, this information a little earlier, I may have put Rhett Ellison on there because Evan Ingram is out for the season. So um, the fact that the Giants have been willing to throw to the tight end in the past, he did see a couple targets last week after Ingram went down. So he's 2,700 on DraftKings. I think in the end that might, if, if Ebron weren't to play, I don't yeah. want to go spending up at this position for sure. So just because you're not, you're paying a com- total and complete premium on, I don't know, wide receivers that you could just get better deals for wide receivers. So I think I'd go the opposite direction. I'd maybe just say 2,700 on DraftKings for Ellison. I'm fine if he gets three targets. This is just the way the NFL works now. They did throw him in the red zone, which is really encouraging last week. Um, and I think that's that'd be where I went. So, um, sure. but and, and all this being said, I, I do hope. I hope Doyle. I hope Doyle gets well soon, but I just hope he doesn't play this week. All right, let's yeah, get Ebron out of here. Daily, you know, not- oh, notably, Ebron also limited in practice with a shoulder thing. Uh, so you know, keep an eye on the tight end position. It's never fun. Uh, it's kind of like going to the dentist. Ultimately, you just got to do it and uh, hope for the best. So, all right, That's daily it. fantasy sports rankings. The site dfsr.com/deals will get you a free three-day trial to our projection system powered by Lineup Lab. That's and five dollars off our normal listed price. I don't know. If I was going to get earlier. to that. That was. I was going to yeah. end with that, so people just had that in their minds when they went to sign up. Day well, now they, now uh, it's going to be even more in their mind because I like interrupted you, and it was kind of awkward. So that's how good sales reads go. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com/slash/deals <laughs> gets you all that stuff. Go check it out. Uh, we will be back in tomorrow for a mega podcast breaking down every single game on the the week four main slate, buddy. Enjoy your Thursday. Talk to you again tomorrow. Later. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33.
Security. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute. If you feel you're carrying too much of it, you're not alone. The average household in the U.S. carries over $8,000 in credit card debt. Ready for some good news? With a cash-out refinance from Quicken Loans, you can quickly and easily put some of the equity in your home to good use by paying off a lot of that high-interest credit card debt. A great way to take cash out is with our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%, APR 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN to learn how taking cash out with a 30-year fixed mortgage might be the right solution for you. And for a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 0.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.